Welcome to this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast. I'm your Surreal Gerald Quinn, episode 766 on this Monday, March 4th, March 15th, excuse me, 2021. Um, great to be with you as we, uh, and I, again, I hope you can recover from, you know, time from losing an hour of sleep. I, it, you know, I, you know, yes, I was definitely hurting yesterday losing that losing that hour uh sunday morning it like it i you know i kind of just wish they just leave it you know leave it be leave it at either stay you know leave it one way or the other um the time change i'll never i'm not even gonna try to make sense of it but i know when we when we when you lose that hour when we go an hour ahead an hour hour forward it definitely <laughs> It definitely takes a toll on that following day. I was I was hurting on all day throughout the course of the day on Sunday, but I am here with you on this Monday. It is great to have March Madness back. You remember um, last year, and this was around the time a lot of anniversaries, to say the least, that have had transpired uh, in the past couple of days. With you know March 11th, the anniversary of the NBA shutting down, uh, March 13th, of course, the tragic shooting and murdering of, of Breonna Taylor, um, and you know this is also Monday. This is the first. This is the anniversary of virtual school for me. Uh, for you know a virtual school, it was this time on uh, last year. Now the actual date was was the 16th because the 15th 15th was on a Sunday, but this is. We've been in one year of virtual school, uh, you know, for me. So a lot of different anniversaries over this course of this March that COVID, that were obviously COVID-induced. Um, and, you know, last year, one of, the, you know, one of the things that COVID took out and one of the things that was devastating for the sports was, of course, the loss of March Madness. That will not be the case this year. Um, March Madness is back. The tournament will be back and definitely excited to see it. Um, now, again, and I've, I've stated this over the course of, of the season. I did not watch. I, I watched, I probably watched 60% of the college basketball that I normally watch. I normally, you know, but and to be honest with you, um, did not, did not go all, but I, I had picked up with it over the last I would say the last month was into the was into the, the conference tournaments, um, and certainly you know know who's who. No, no, I know all the major players in this tournament, but you know it's, it's been a it's been a difficult season of college basketball with COVID. Uh, you know, teams not playing the full schedules, certain teams not playing an unbalanced schedule, but we you know we find but you know we made it. To Indianapolis, uh, where you know, where you have the college basketball season, will uh, the college basketball tournament will take will, will take place in the uh, state of Indiana, and the you have the of course you have the number one seeds, Gonzaga, Michigan, or Illinois, and Baylor. Uh, Gonzaga comes into the tournament undefeated, first time since 2015 that team has been undefeated. Of course, that was that Kentucky, that loaded Kentucky team. Which I'm still trying to figure out six years later how how in the world did they lose how in the world did they lose? So listen, any we've seen I've seen better teams come into the tournament and get knocked off. 91 UNLV coming off a championship. Um, 
Of course, we just mentioned the Kentucky team of 2015, Gonzaga trying to become the first team since 76, uh, Indiana Hoosiers. Indiana Hoosiers to go undefeated. And listen, this is a this is a Gonzaga team that is a loaded team. They have three legitimate stars on their team, three legitimate first round draft picks. Two of them are going to be lottery picks. But if I were to ask you the question, Gonzaga versus the field, you're still probably taking the field. You're still probably taking the field. Like we know, one bad shooting night, we know a, a injury, and now we know COVID. Is a is a, it can be a can be can, can possibly play a factor in a team not uh, in knocking off a team. So Gonzaga cl- the clear favorite, but you know if you if it was Gonzaga versus the field, you're still taking the field. Though I think Gonzaga is going to win a national championship this year and finish undefeated. The Big Ten drought. Big Ten has not won a championship since 2000. Think about that. Now it's Michigan State. So 21 years since the Big Ten won two cha- won a championship, uh, it could that, could that drop could possibly end this year. The Big Ten again was loaded. Uh, you have legitimate, legitimately three or four national championship teams that could win it. Teams that could win it: Michigan, Ohio State, Illinois, uh, Iowa to a lesser extent. They're not as good as not as good as those first couple teams, but they're very. Or Iowa's a very good team, certainly a Final Four contender. So. You know, this could be a year that the Mich- that that the Big Ten ends this championship drought. As again, Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State are all teams that are Final Four, national championship championship caliber uh, teams. Last night, uh, yesterday, of course, Illinois won the Big Ten tournament. Um, won the Big Ten tournament, and uh, you know, it's again, it's, a re- it's really remarkable that the, that the Big Ten is going that long without winning a, a, a national championship. Uh, 21 years is a long time. And of course, no Kentucky, no Duke in this in this in the field. Um, and I finally, you know, it's it's very ironic that those two teams would be the teams that would be would be the two blue bloods that are missing. Those are two teams, uh, those are two teams that have made a living off the one and done, Duke and Kentucky. So those are two teams that have made, I mean, if you look at the number of first round draft picks, it'll probably be Kentucky one, Duke two, over the last 10 years in terms of first round NBA draft picks. But, you know, and Kentucky was, Kentucky was just God awful this year. Um, You know, is this going to, now maybe this was, COVID related, uh, not a lot of practice time, uh, chemistry issues within the teams, but uh, those two teams were just not very good this year. Uh, I, I don't think they they were not they not only you know not not only did they not make the tournament, I just think the, the amount of the, the talent and despite despite the fact of you know how many McDonald's All Americans they had, the talent just the, you know the talent the talent level was just not there up to par as it has been in past years with those two particular teams. So. It's going to be a different, definitely a different looking tournament with no Kentucky and no Duke. Um, and uh, no Kentucky, no Duke. Again, first time since 1976. Think about that. 1976. That's about 45 years ago. Uh, that the, that you'll have those with, that you'll be in the tournament with, without those two particular blue bloods. Uh, again, I think this is going to be a great tournament. I, you know. 
for most of the season, it had been Gonzaga and Baylor and everybody else. But over the last month, uh, Michigan and Illinois has really, especially those, especially Illinois has really uh, taken got my attention as two as, as two other, as two other teams that could possibly win that could possibly win a national championship. Uh, my final four: I have Gonzaga, Florida State, Ohio State, and Oklahoma State, and I have Gonzaga beating Oklahoma State. I really like Oklahoma State a lot. K. K. Cunningham, I think, is the best player in the country. Will be the number one. Will be the top pick in the in the NBA draft. And, you know, top three pick, if not the number one pick. Uh, Oklahoma State has been a number of, of top ranked teams. Played in a, a rugged Big Twelve conference. Really like the way that they, they they were playing down the stretch. And of course, Gonzaga is just—it's it, Gonzaga's time. Uh, Mark Few, and that—that that program has been knocking on the door for a long time, in terms of getting to the Final Four and, and getting to win a national championship. They almost won a national championship a couple of years ago against North Carolina, lost a close game in, in 2017. Uh, Mark Few is probably, you know, the best coach not to win a national championship. He's probably number one on that list. Uh, so I think it's Gonzaga's time to win a national championship. And to go uh, undefeated. Now again, we've seen I've seen better teams lose in the tournament. Better teams that I've seen, but I've seen much better teams get knocked off in the tournament. Um, so it, it is not a given whatsoever that Gonzaga that, that Gonzaga is not automatic that Gonzaga is going to win this uh, win this entire thing. But they are without question the prohibitive favorites. Um, they had the best. They had the most talent. They look like a. They look like an NBA team when you watch them play. They might kind of remind me of that Florida team that won it back in back in six and seven. They look a lot like that Florida team. They, they you know, it turns out, in terms of athletically, physically, they can make shots. And again, they have three legitimate first round picks now. So it should be an exciting tournament. Hopefully, COVID. Uh, can stay away for at least for another for at least three weeks. Uh, it definitely had an impact on the conference tournaments as Duke, Virginia, Kansas were all knocked out of the, uh, their conference tournaments because of COVID. Hopefully, it has no effect or it has zero effect or impact on this uh, NCAA tournament, which will again, which it will be played in its entirety, of course, in, in Indianapolis um, from start to finish. A little bit different this year in terms of the format, in terms of the start times. They're going, instead of going Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, they're going Friday, Sunday. Uh, they're going Friday, Sunday, Saturday, Monday. So they're starting a day later. So they're going Friday, Saturday, Friday Sunday, Saturday, Monday. So a little, you know, a little um, change of uh, pace. For the NCAA tournament again, I'm not going to go crazy about who didn't make it, who versus who did make it. Um, thought for the most part, from the stuff that you read, that it was not, there was no uh, outright team. There was no team that should have got in that didn't get in. I know Belmont won 26 games, but again, those type when you don't play anybody, then you know you're going to be affected with RPI and net and all these different systems, mechanisms they use to measure uh, strength of schedule, things of that nature. So Belmont, that team certainly was hurt by that. But for the most part, there's really nothing, not a lot to complain about when Vars committee goes. Now, should Michigan State be in the first four? 
uh, play, playing a playing game? Probably not. I mean, Michigan State, they did beat Michigan. They did beat Ohio State. And they did beat uh, – they beat three top teams in the Big Ten, uh, Michigan, Ohio State. And uh, I think they also – I think they knocked off uh, Iowa, too. No, they lost to Iowa. So they beat Michigan, Ohio State. And uh, it's one team that I'm leaving out. Uh, Illinois, yeah. Beat Michigan, Ohio State, and Illinois. So – they just that just on that alone, they should not be in the first four. But the NCAA clearly wanted a, a sexy first four matchup. So they got Michigan. So you go two two teams that have been perennial power powerhouses in terms of history, UCLA versus Michigan State. So that that that, that was intentional. If you don't think if you don't think that's intentional, then you just don't know how the, the NCAA tournament and how the selection committee deals with deals and how they operate. That that without question, was intentional uh, to have those two teams playing with each other at first four uh, come Thursday. So, should be a great tournament. Uh, great to have it back after a year of absence, uh, you know, after a year with, with COVID uh, taking it away in 2020. Um, again, I think it's Gonzaga's tournament to lose, but you, there are certain teams that definitely uh, could take. You know, there there are a couple of teams that definitely have been hot down the stretch that can make it difficult for Gonzaga for Gonzaga to go undefeated. But ultimately, I think Gonzaga will be cutting down the nets uh, come that first Monday uh, in April. Of course, uh, on Saturday we found out that the legendary. Uh, boxer marvelous Marvin Hagler passed away at the age of 66. Still, uh, you hear reports of natural causes. I know Tommy Hearns came out and said some stuff about the vaccine, I, which I, I can't, you know, don't know where he got that information from. Uh, but the family, uh, the family hasn't has said has maintained uh, basically has said has said nothing in regards to how it happened. Um, just asked that their that their privacy be respected. So. Well, it'll, that'll come out in the, in the next couple of weeks or so. But in regards to Hagler, really one of the all-time greats. Um, he fought in the golden era of boxing that that eighties. Well, with, you know they called him the Four Kings with with Hearns, Hagler, Len, Leonard Hagler, Hearns, and of course Roberto Duran. He beat two. He was two and one against those other three guys. Uh, easily could have been three and zero. Still, you know, a lot of people still believe. There's still a number of people that believe that he won the Leonard fight. Leonard ended up winning a split decision. Uh, again, it was a very close fight. Um, I, I, you know, I watched the fight a number of times. I thought that Hagler actually, I thought Hagler won the fight, but it was still it was close enough to where it could have went either way. But listen, Hagler is one of the few fighters that that walked away with all his, basically with all his facilities and with all his money. He walked away basically on top. You know, he lost that Leonard fight. He, you know, you tell my guy that was 63 and 62 and three or, you know, over the course of his career, he held the middleweight championship undisputed for seven years from 80 to 87, fought everybody that was in his way. Um, and, you know, frankly, again, was one of the great, great, middleweights of all time, maybe outside of Sugar Ray Robinson, maybe the best middleweight of all time outside of outside of uh, Sugar Ray Robinson and a guy who, um, again, one of the rare guys to walk away on his own terms. You know, guys, 
lot of these boxing stories don't end, do, do, do not end well uh, with guys who just can't, you know, just can't walk away from the sport. Um, I think, I think, you know, he, Hagler, along with Floyd Mayweather and Lance Lewis are, are three of the few guys in the history of the sport to ever walk away and walk away without any health problems and walk away without us seeing them uh, on the, on a decline. Like Lance Lewis, all three of those guys walked away basically on top of the sport. Uh, and that is a rarity in this sport, even the great, you know, and late, late and great Muhammad Ali, but that guy like Roy Jones, guys that just hung out, hang on for just too long. And before you know it, they're either losing, they're either losing a lot of fights down in the stretch, you know, in the latter parts of their careers, or they walk away with physical, uh, just uh, uh, just a, a litany of physical injuries and, and physical uh, debilitations. So he walked away uh, near or at the top, went over to Italy, made movies, and kind of just kind of disappeared, to be honest with you. He walked away. The, the Leonard fight was his last fight. He was upset, of course, upset about that decision and refused to take a rematch even though it would have been at the time probably the biggest payday in the history of the sport uh, up until that point at that particular time. And he, uh, you know, went about his business, went over to Italy, made movies, made a ton of money, became an action star over there and and, and kept it moving. So, you know, certainly rest in peace to uh, Marvin Hagler. If you're looking at the, uh, this picture, was one of the most brutal fights in the history of the sport uh, the Hagler-Hearns fight. It only went three rounds, lasted eight minutes. Hagler, of course, won the fight. But that fight was, I, I would encourage anybody to go back and watch that fight. It, again, it's a very short fight, but I've never seen that much action in in a, in, a, in that short amount of period in a fight, to be honest with you. And the first round of that fight was one of, considered one of the greatest rounds in, in the history of boxing. And it really, I mean, an action-packed uh, fight where you saw like blows being dropped. I mean, these were these were power punches that both guys were dropping in this fight. Hagler was never knocked down in his career. Um, I saw this this morning that that the one time he did go down was because of a, it was a slip. It was not an official knockdown. So, a guy that was a technical a technical savant, a guy that prided himself on you know his conditioning. And really was one of the toughest guys in the history of the sport. And really, again, you know, for the amount of time that he was around, for the amount of time that he was around, he chose, he pick and chose when he wanted to fight. He really did things on his own terms. Could have made more money, didn't fight as much as he could have, uh, stayed in one division. Uh, he did really, he really did things his way. But again, he, again, to say, you know, say he was an all-time great, is absolute understatement uh the, again marvelous marvin hagler dead at the age of 66 uh and certainly will not be forgotten in the boxing circles drew Brees uh retires after 20 years in the nfl 15 of those years of course with the new orleans saints he spent his first part of his career with the san diego Chargers and has to be considered the greatest free agent signing of all time along, you know, along with him, I'll say he and also Reggie White when he signed, when Reggie White signed with the Packers back in 93, those are the, like the two to me greatest free agent signings of all time considering what they did with their respective teams 
and the impact that they had after they signed. Listen, Breeze was an all-time great. Uh, you see the numbers. He, you know, came along in a perfect era when um, offense really started to take take hold in the NFL. Also had the benefit of playing half his games in the dome, so you can't you know you can't uh, can't mention his career without talking about that. Uh, one of the most accurate quarterbacks of all time in terms of court, in terms of especially with his completion percentage, completion percentage. But here's what I said about Drew Brees, though. No MVPs, four runner-ups, four runner-ups, six losing seasons. And listen, I think Drew Brees probably is a top-ten quarterback, but he's not Tom Brady. He's not Peyton Manning. He's not Joe Montana. He's not John Elway. Uh, he's not, he's, he is not on the level of those quarterbacks. And I, to me, to be honest with you, you know, I'd rather have Aaron Rodgers. I'd rather have Steve Young. I would take Dan Marino. There are certain there are certain guys I would I would take over Drew Brees. Even with that said, he's still somewhere in that 10 to 10 to 12, 10 to 11 range uh as an all-time great quarterback. Um really wasted the last three years where New Orleans was a powerhouse team and where they were a legit championship team. And that that probably will not will bother Drew Brees. Um, even with the one Super Bowl that back in the day he won in two thousand and two thousand nine season, because he because he frankly should have had another one. And New Orleans had a powerhouse team the last three years. They have been one of the, they have been from top to bottom arguably the best team in football over the last three years in terms of the, the balance of their roster, and they don't have a Super Bowl appearance to show for it. So that is the one you know. If you want to throw some, there are some there there are some chinks in the Drew Brees armor. You can say say no MVPs, six losing seasons, and no Super Bowl appearances in the last three seasons when they with a stacked and loaded New Orleans Saints team. Again, those guys like Manning, Peyton Manning, Rogers, Young. Uh, those guys did not have multiple uh, losing seasons. Those guys had, like, Manning had two losing seasons. Rodgers had two. Uh, Brady has had none. Um, I think uh, I think Elway had, Elway had one. Yeah, Elway, Elway only had one. So, I, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not like with Drew Brees you can plug him in and, and – and get an automatic 10, 12 wins. Didn't quite work that way in New Orleans, but he was, you know, you know with Drew Brees that he was going to put up gaudy numbers. And you know that once they got that defense, when they hit the jackpot in the draft and they were able to accumulate a number of talent, that that team was going to be one of the best teams in the league. But I, I think Drew Brees' ultimate legacy will be him bringing uh, – helping that city recover from Katrina. He's done a number of things off the field. Uh, I know he said some stupid things this past summer about Colin Kaepernick and that whole situation. He put his kind of put, put his foot in his mouth and, and just kind of, and, and not kind of, but without question was, was a bit, was tone deaf when it came to that. But for the most part, uh, Drew Brees was a pillar in the community uh, in New Orleans. And uh, again, the Saints were a, you know, 
the fans were putting paper bags over their heads for a lot of those years with the New Orleans Saints. Uh, they'd be Drew Brees, Sean Payton got together. They came away were probably the best outside of outside of Belichick and Brady. They were probably the best quarterback coaching duo uh, in the league. To be honest with you. So Drew Brees decides to retire. We're not done. We'll talk more about the Saints as they look for look towards their next uh, quarterback uh, for 2021. A couple things on the NBA. Uh, of course, you had the Joel Embiid injury on uh, what, oh, I think it was it was Friday. Not not as serious as it you know, not as serious as it looked initially. He was going to be out for a couple of weeks, but. This could, this could severely uh, cripple his MVP hopes. Um, so keep your eye on that. The Sixers have Sixers have, have been playing that played great over the last uh, couple of weeks, and even without we even without Embiid in these past couple of games. So keep your eye on that. Kevin Durant continues to sit out with the hamstring. He could be done. He could be done for another two weeks. Nets starting to have to have to start to be concerned at this point, considering how long. That he's been out. Pelicans just have that just had their way with the Clippers last night. But the big the bigger story is it is clearly it's clearly Zion's team. And they, you know, the front, you know, Stan Van Gundy along with the, the front, the rest of the franchise need to just just give him the keys to the car. Uh, and run everything through him. They've kind of you know, given him bits and pieces, you know, uh, allow allow him to, to initiate the offense somewhat from the top of the key a little bit. I I would just basically almost not make him the point guard, but make him basically the point guard in the half court. Um, I think this he is clearly their best player. They have great. He has great chemistry with Lonzo Ball. Um, doesn't have quite the same chemistry with Brandon Ingram. Which you know, have you question? Have you bring up question marks on branding as Ingram's future with the team? But it, it, without question, it should be it should be Zion's team. And I, I should go without saying, like that team. That team, uh, to me, is at his best when he has the ball in his hands. And again, New Orleans is a hard team to figure out. I mean, they destroy a good Clipper team. And lose the Minnesota by thirty. So that they have been very consistent, inconsistent this year. But the main thing, the, you know, the main thing is, is you know, the, the thing that they that they should take from this season more than anything else is the fact that Zion has a Zion has arrived, and Zion, you know, of course, keeps Zion healthy, and it is without question Zion's team. So every move they make. Drafting wise, free agency wise, should be geared towards building around Zion Williamson. And of course, don't look now. Uh, Giannis is right back in the midst of the Greek of the MVP race, um, especially with Embiid hurt. There has there's a void to be filled with Embiid injured right now. Uh, Giannis older has had a big march, um, and for the season, he's averaging tw- basically 29, 11, and six for the season. That's, that's for the season. So he, his name has to be mentioned. We're going to talk. If we're going to have an honest conversation about the uh, MVP race in the NBA. 
was talking about the Saints earlier. Taysom Hill got a four-year, $140 million extension, which which was a which three of the years were voidable, which all the years were were voidable, which basically comes out to being one year, $12 million. So the Saints saved over close to $8 million in cap space with this move. They uh they also are, are trying to go are negotiating with Jameis Winston, so they're gonna have both of them back and probably have them compete for the uh for Drew Brees' spot, uh for the Saints quarterback spot um coming next season. So one in essence, Taysom Hill got one year, twelve million. But again, they you know, these NFL contracts, you gotta be careful and just read the five the the five print, uh the five print. Nas, Nasir Jones wins his first Grammy for best uh, best rap album, King's Disease. And listen, I heard a lot of people saying that it was, it was a career lifetime achievement award. That was not the case. King's Disease was the best hip hop album of 2020, uh, without question in my mind. Um, you know, so it's just unfortunate that it's taken the Grammys 25 years to figure out what we as fans already have known, and that's that's fact that Nas is one of the greatest MCs, if not the greatest MC of all time. Uh, that's why you can't really pay attention to these awards and look for these awards for validation uh, for your favorite artists because what Nas has done over the course of his career speaks speaks for itself and it goes, you know, goes volumes above any award, to be honest with you. And, you know, think back, he had been nominated for 13 times um and number one kind of you know a little bit like susan lucci remember erica kane from all my children she got nominated all those times and finally won a daytime emmy uh back in 98 but um you know i, I listen i don't i haven't watched it I, I didn't watch it last night this was this i, I saw the highlights online on uh, on the internet but uh i've been you know the grammys has been the grammys for you know 95 to 100 years so there's nothing to worry about uh, I wouldn't read too much into it uh, as a Nas, as somebody who roots for Nas, as somebody who thinks Nas is, is the GOAT, uh, you know, is the GOAT as far as MCs goes. Uh, Diddy has some interesting comments on the Grammys, uh, basically called out the Grammys for, you know, disrespecting uh, Black culture and basically said that you know we put our hearts and souls into all these albums and records and you know the grammys said you know grammys called out the grammys for disrespecting artists for years upon years and you know it says you know it stops now so i don't know what he's going to do for it for it to stop now but um you know it came out about standing ovation and here's the thing and i was having this conversation on a previous podcast with uh, Monique Malabet last week when we did a podcast on International Women's Day and a, a number of other topics. The Grammys is a part of an institution and institutions don't serve individuals. They serve them, institutions serve institutions. So if, you know, what has to be, you know, if, if, Puff, if Diddy's not happy, about being acknowledged from by the Grammys and, and being acknowledged from the Grammys, then you know what? Create create an award show, create something that uh, that gives the artist 
gives artists their proper respect in terms of black artists, their proper respect. See, see the only the thing is, here's the thing, and it goes this goes across the board. It goes in corporations, goes in sports, music. You the only way to fix a system is to create your own system that serves is to, to create a system or an institution that serves individuals. So it'd be the equivalent of NBA players going out there and getting their having and getting their own league and starting their own league. You know, these you know, these systems, the government, these leagues are only are made or were built to to serve their to serve themselves. Institutions were built to serve institutions. Systems were designed to serve systems. They were not designed to serve individuals. And that goes across the board in any walk of life, corporations, sports, government, whatever. Aaron Jones gets a contract um, four years, $48 billion from the Packers. Um, he was a uh, he was an outright free agent, $13 million signing bonus. If you compare this to the Ezekiel Elliott contract, right, it is, this is how you do business if you're a professional football team. So the Cowboys gave Ezekiel Elliott last year, last fall, or the fall before last, 2019. Six years, $90 million, $50 million in total guarantees, $28 million in guaranteed, in, in a, basically $20 million signing bonus. Aaron Jones, the last two years, has easily outperformed Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott. It's not even close. He has more touchdowns, uh, more receiving yards, um, has a better yards per carry, and only trails Ezekiel Elliott by like 148 yards. And that's only because Ezekiel Elliott gets more gets more uh, carries. Because in terms of yards per carry, it's not even close. Aaron Jones has been was five point five this year and four point six in two thousand nineteen. He's easily been the more productive back uh, out of the two. Yet this is why the Cowboys haven't been to a Super Bowl since 1996, 95 season. You don't. You know, you don't pay a running back $90 million or, or guarantee $50 million. Uh, this, the contract that you saw Aaron Jones get, this is this is probably the most that I would probably give a, a, a running back, to be honest with you. And considering the circumstances that you have a quarterback like a Aaron Rodgers, a franchise quarterback. Now, certain situations, Tennessee, Carolina, um, Carolina doesn't have, you know, doesn't have a franchise quarterback, uh, and they are solely, almost solely dependent on Christian McCaffrey. So I, so I understand his contract. Derrick Henry, by the way, who didn't die, did not get a, a contract as big as Ezekiel Elliott, still got a ton of money. He is, he is the heart and soul of that, of that offense. I understand his contract, but for the most part, this is what this is the type of contract that you want to give an above average running back somewhere four years, forty eight million dollars, somewhere twelve million dollars a year. Thirteen million dollars signing bonus in four years. This is about the this is about the perfect number that you want to give this type of back, a guy that can play on every down, a guy that can that can catch out the backfield, and a guy that you don't have to that you're not going to pound into the ground into the ground, uh, that you're not going to run into the ground to where he can last, where he can somewhat last at least three or four uh, three or four years at, at, at you know uh, at prime condition. So. 
Green Bay does it the Green Bay does it the right way, and you see Dallas do, does it the other way, and you see why those two franchises have been, you know, you see why Green Bay basically has been competing for AFC championships and Super Bowls year in and year out versus the Dallas Cowboys, who have been struggling to make the playoffs year in and year out. Um, Oscars, Oscar nominations, we saw um, Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis get Best Actor nominations uh, for, for um, their roles in Ma Rainey. Uh, Andrea Day got a Best Actor, Actress nomination uh, coming off her Golden Globe win. Um, but here's in, in the Oscars, you know, here's what, here's what annoys you about the Oscars in terms of how their treatment of African-Americans. So Keith Stanfield and Daniel Kula from uh, Judas and the Black Messiah both get nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Now, if you want to say Daniel Kula was a supporting actor, uh, played was a, played a supporting role. Okay, I can make a case that he was a co-lead, but fine. You want to say he was a he was a co he was a supporting actor? Cool. Lakeith Stanfield has got to be a Best Actor nominee. Lakeith Stanfield, it was Judas and the Black Messiah. Lakeith Stanfield was was clearly the lead in that movie and should have been nominated for Best Actor. And again, I don't understand why, why we know why. But again, I, like, it really annoys me when they, do, when, when, they, when they do things like this. We saw it by... They did this to Viola Davis a few years back with Fences when she should when she got a Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress nomination instead of a Best Actress nomination, uh, Best Actress nomination uh, for a role in Fences. She basically, in essence, was a co-star with Denzel Washington in that movie. And it's not like listen, it's not like you look. I mean, we saw it. It can be done where two people. Where you can have two people receive best actor nominations who were in the same movie. We who were in the same movie. Um, we just saw. I mean, we saw it this year with. Uh, we saw it this year with uh, Viola Davis and, and uh, Chadwick Boseman. But again, I, I don't have a major problem with Kalula, with Daniel Kula, Kalula getting best supporting actor nomination. But there's no way that Lakeith Stanfield should not have been a best actor nomination it is ridiculous and something is the thing that just annoys you about the oscars and again how they treat you know after how they treat african-americans um so you so so you had that so you have that with the oscars um we'll see what happens. the oscars the oscars is on i believe is april i think the oscars is april 25th if i'm not mistaken i think it's i think it's april 25th so We'll see what happens uh, in, in regards to that. That is going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal podcast. Um, enjoy the rest of your evening and certainly enjoy. We will see you later on this week with episode five, season four, episode five of Snowfall. I'm out. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.